If you brought your Bibles, and I hope that you have, turn with me to John's Gospel, all right, to the book of John, uh, way back there towards the end of it, chapter 20. I want to read to you the, uh, uh, really the last few verses of chapter 20. Chap- We're going to start at verse 24. John chapter 20, beginning with verse 24. I'll give you just a moment to find it. John chapter 20, beginning with verse 24, says, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see uh, in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not uh, faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Let's pray together. Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you one more time here this morning, thanking you, Lord, for the good songs, the good service so far. We thank you, Lord, for just the many blessings that you poured out on us here this morning. And Lord, it doesn't seem right to ask anything else of you here this morning. But Lord, you tell us, Lord, cast our cares upon you. And so, Lord, here we come before you uh, one more time this morning. Lord, asking, Lord, for you to just continue to bless our service here this morning. Asking you to move in a mighty way in the hearts and the minds and the lives of each one that is here this morning. Lord, I don't know the needs of everyone here, but you're the searcher of hearts, Lord. Uh, Lord, you know everything. There's nothing that you don't see, nothing that is hidden from you. And so, Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would meet every need that is here this morning. Lord, we know that all true healing comes from you, Lord. So all, anyone who stands in the need of a healing touch from you, I pray that today would be the day that they would receive that. Lord, those that are maybe um, need to be comforted, need to be lifted up, those that are discouraged, Lord, whatever the need is here this morning. Lord, maybe there's some, Lord, that just doesn't know uh, whether, you know, they're whether they believe or not. Maybe there's some that doubt. Maybe there's some that's let sin creep into their life. Maybe there's some that are faithless. Maybe there's some that are deep into sin. Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, Lord, that you just pour out that old-time Holy Ghost conviction upon them, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, that they would, uh, uh, Lord, that you wouldn't give them any peace until they would repent and get things right with you before it's everlasting too late, Lord God. Uh, Lord, because our walk with you, our relationship with you is more important than anything else, and especially more important than anything this world would have to offer. And so, Lord, I just pray, have your way and your will in our midst here this morning. Move in a mighty way like only you can. And, Lord, I'm asking for myself. I need your help here this morning. 
God, I've got nothing to say lest you give it to me. So, Lord, I'm asking, clear my mind of everything but your message, your thoughts, your words. Place on my tongue the very things that you'd have me to say here this morning. Lord, I'm asking for your anointing, for your holy unction, Lord. I'm asking, Lord, that you just pour yourself out on us here this morning. Lord, my heart's desire is to preach, Lord, from, uh, from my spirit to your spirit, but that they would recognize that it's from you and it just comes through me, Lord God. And so, Lord, I'm asking, just have your way and your will here this morning, and we'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. Lord, preach me one more time, and we'll give you the glory. We, and we ask it all here this morning in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Think about what is said and what has transpired here in these scriptures that I've just read to you, right? This is after uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? Uh, if you read right before this, right, this is the, uh, the day of or the evening of or day, you know, uh, in, in any ways he's appeared to them, and, but Thomas wasn't there. He's appeared to his disciples, but Thomas wasn't there among them. And Thomas says he's not going to believe unless he can see, unless he can touch. You know, he says unless he can thrust his hand in the side where it was pierced, you know. And uh, I think about that. That's almost like their version of the show me, right? We're all the time saying, or I'm bad of, have, of having said that in the past. I'm from the show me state. I want to have to see it to believe it, you know. That's kind of, Th- that's kind of Thomas's version, or that's, you know, their version, that first century version of that. And so anyways, as we see here, Thomas says he's not going to believe unless he sees it. Eight days later, the Lord shows up in their midst again. And that's just exactly what happens. But notice in verse 27 that Jesus told Thomas to be not faithless, but believing. All right? So the two things are contrasted there. Be not faithless, but believing. And then John says in chapter 31, right, we've got the interchange, uh, the, the words that takes place that Jesus spoke and the interchange between them in verses 26, 7, 8, and 9. And then verse 30 and 31, it's almost like John gives a little commentary on all of this before he wraps things up. And in verse, thir- in verse 31, John tells us that these things are written so that ye might believe, right? Ye is plural, you all, right? That includes us today. These things are written that you all might believe, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. All right, John is telling us, right? It sounds to me like he's telling us that these things are written for our benefit to help us to believe, okay? Now, think about it for just a second, right? Um, it's, the, it, it's for our faith. Now, that's good. That's good because our faith is incredibly important. Now, you might be asking the question, why? And even if you're not asking the question why, you you really ought to have thought this through and thought about this at some point. So let's address the question why. Well, first of all, faith is a fundamental aspect of our lives as believers. 
right? If our, our faith is something that sets us apart from those who do not have a relationship with God, right? Faith is the foundation in which our um, relationship with God is built. Faith is not just a mental ascent, right? A, 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 a agreeing with our, in our mind, right? It's not just a mental ascent to ascent a belief. It's much more than that. It is actually a living active, dynamic relationship with God, right? The exercising of our faith is what I'm getting at, is trusting God in the midst of difficult circumstances. It is obeying His commandments even when it is hard, and it is believing that He will provide for our needs even when it looks impossible. That's why it says in Hebrews eleven six, right? It tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Let that sink in for a minute. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. The Bible is literally chock full of examples of people who had faith in God and used it. That's important. And used it. Abraham, for example, right? He had faith that God would give him a son even though he and his wife uh, were way past the age of childbearing, right? And, and, and we know that whenever uh, Abraham is asked to go and sacrifice his son, right? The book of Hebrews in chapter 11 tells us that he believed that God was able to raise him from the dead, right? To bring life from that death. Moses, right? Had faith uh, that God would deliver the Israelites out of Egypt uh, in spite of or even though Pharaoh refused to let them go. David had faith that God would help him defeat Goliath even though all David was at that time was just a young shepherd boy. And here's Goliath, this giant Right, David is a youth, but Goliath has been a has been a warrior since his youth. These examples should remind us that faith is not about our own strength or abilities. It's about trusting in God and His power, His strength, His abilities, His provision. When we use our faith, we can face any challenge that the world and that the devil throws at us. Knowing, of course, that God is with us and that he will help us through it. So let me remind you one more time here this morning. Faith is not something that you should just have. It is something that we live out every day as we walk with the Lord, as we follow him. Faith is just is not just a belief set, right? You, you, you can't just mentally decide, okay, in my mind, I'm going to agree with what the Bible says on what a moral person is and how we should live, right? It cannot be just that mental agreement, right? It can't just be a mindset. It's not just a... Um, how do I want to say? It's not just a belief set system. It is a relationship with God that we are living out daily. So, with that in mind, there's some things that you need to know about faith. Okay? First of all, I got three questions that I'm going to answer here that I think 
might seem simple questions on the surface, but sometimes these are things I don't think that we really thought out and really come to terms with what that means for me in my life. The first thing that we need to answer, right? I, I, I heard a lot of amens. I think we're all in agreement how important faith is, right? And how fundamental it is in our walk, our relationship with God. It, it's what that relationship is built on. But we've got to answer the question, first of all, what is faith? What is faith? Um, I have sat on the examining committee for ordaining new ministers for, I don't know, several years now. Maybe six, seven, eight years, something like that. I can't remember if that's the very first question or it's second or third question. I think it's the first question, but it's definitely top three questions that we ask everyone that comes before us. What is faith? What is faith? Well, it's easy to say, oh, well, I've, I've got faith, I believe. But no, no, no. Well, biblically, what is faith? Well, let me draw your attention, first of all, to Hebrews chapter 11. Right? I think the Bible uh, is where we need to go for our answers. Hebrews chapter 11 in verse 1 tells us uh, what faith is. But let, let me read to you the first three verses there. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Remember that, that's really important. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. First of all, to understand what faith is and to understand this biblical definition of faith, we need to understand what the biblical definition of hope is. All right, And I know I'm, I'm like a beating a dead horse here. I've talked about hope a lot over the last few weeks. I didn't realize how much I'd talked about it until just the other day, but that's all right. That's a good thing. I'll just simply say this. Hope is not wishful thinking, not biblical hope, right? A lot of times we in the world today, we'll say, you know, we hope this and we hope that, knowing that it's probably not going to happen or it's a far reach or it's a million and one odds or, or, or whatever, you know. We hope that, that this will happen, uh, not thinking, that there, thinking there's a good chance that it won't happen. When the Bible says hope, that is not what it's talking about. It is not talking about wishful thinking. It is talking about a confident expectation or anticipation. It will happen, right? The blessed hope, right? Jesus Christ, he is coming again. That is not something that we just hope will happen thinking, well, I don't know. I, I, oh, it'd be nice if it happens. I hope it happens, but it's probably not going to happen. No, it will happen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It will happen, right? It is a confident expectation. It is an anticipation. So when it tells us here, uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, right? Those things that we've not seen yet, but we know that are coming. That's the whole point of this chapter 11 here, right? It talks about Abraham, right? To, uh, looking for a city, right? It, it talks about this, something he had not seen yet, but he hoped for, knowing, having that confident expectation. Faith is knowing without seeing. Knowing without seeing. It's believing without having first-hand experience. If you've seen it, if you have walked those streets or whatever the case may be, 
That's experience. That's sight. That's something that you've seen firsthand, right? That's not faith any longer, right? You are experiencing the reality of it. Faith is knowing it even though you have not seen it or experienced it yet. Remember. Remember that Jesus said in in our text in verse 29 that Thomas believed because he had seen. But he says, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Think about that for a minute. I like how it is talking about hope here, but I like how it says in Romans 8, 24, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. That's what I'm trying to get across to you, right? Uh, For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for it? It's a reality. It's something he's experiencing. So when something is seen, something is known because of firsthand experience, it is no longer faith. It's now sight. It's now experience. I keep using that word sight because that's a biblical term because in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 it says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Right? It's using that term. Walk means our relationship with God, our walk with God, right? And it tells us that we live by, we walk by faith, by faith. Not by sight, not by experience, right? You can't use the good old Missouri show me motto when it comes to our relationship with God. So then, the whole of the Bible is telling us that if we do not walk, in other words, if we do not live by faith, we will not please God. That's serious. That is absolutely serious. So let me be crystal clear here this morning before I move on. According to the Bible, faith is not based on what we've been through. It's not based on what we've experienced or what we've seen. Because once you've seen it or been through it or experienced it, it is now sight. It's now your per- it's now a testimony, right? It's what you've been through. It's been your experience. It is not faith. Faith is not based on what you've seen. Faith is based on what you've not seen. That's why the biblical definition, Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that you've been through, the evidence of things that you've experienced. The evidence of things that you've dealt with in your life and, and, and somehow through God's help managed to overcome. No, it is the evidence of things not seen. Not seen. Faith is not based on what you've seen. Faith is based on what you've not seen. Now don't get me wrong. I am not meaning to downplay or belittle our experiences. Because our experiences help us to grow. This is an experience for Thomas, right? That's why Jesus talks to him the way he does and says the things he does. And I'll guarantee you, it had a major impact on him for the rest of his life and the rest of his ministry. So our experiences, they help us to grow. They help us to mature as Christians. And they can also be a testimony for others. They should be a testimony for others. But our experiences is not what gives us faith. And it is not how our faith is increased. 
That's a mistake that I think that we make. We think that our experiences increase our faith. And logically, that makes a lot of sense. The only problem is that's not what the Bible says. So, that brings me to question number two, right? What is faith? It's believing without seeing, right? It's, if it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But how do we get faith, right? You're like, all right, all right, preacher, I get it. I, I understand what the Bible's saying faith is. But then how do we get faith? I'm going to answer that question because I think that's a question commonly asked. But I think you're not actually asking the right question when you ask that question. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. Let me read that one verse to you real quick. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. Right? We're answering the question, how do we get faith? Romans 12, 3 says, For I say, through the, gra through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God... Now this is one of th these things, you read this in, in context and you see, right, the first two verses talking about being a living sacrifice and, it, you know, we see what, it, what it's like and what it's like to behave like a Christian and, and so on and so forth, but he gives us a little nugget of truth here, right, that it is universally applicable. And so anyways, it says here in verse 3, uh, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Each one of us. Every man. Who, who here? And man in this sense is meaning mankind, right? Humans, all right? So who here doesn't fit within that, right? Every means every, right? I mean, that's, I'm just a dumb hillbilly, but that's the way I understand every is every means every, right? All of us. So each one of us has been given a measure of faith by God. That is what his word says. But listen to me. Having faith and using faith are two different things. Having faith and using faith are two different things. Bible tells us, Justin's not telling you, I just read to you Romans 12, 3. The Word of God tells us that everyone has been given a measure of faith. But we also know that the Bible teaches us that not everyone uses their measure of faith. You thought about that before? The Bible says everyone's been given a measure of faith, but not everyone uses that measure of faith. Now, the Scriptures tells us in Ephesians 2a, that, and I think um, uh, Donna mentioned this in her prayer this morning, uh, that, we, uh, that we are saved by grace through faith. And that it's not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. So both the grace and the faith are gifts from God. That's why, you, that's why faith is not a work. We didn't do anything to earn them or to deserve them. God has freely given them to us. Not because, understand this, this is where we get tied up, mixed up, where we want to work to earn things and so on and so forth. God has not given us, right? He's not shed His grace upon us and he has not given us the measure of faith because you and I deserve it. We don't deserve it. We fall far short of the glory of God. When God done this, we were still at enmity with God. We were still his enemy. We were still fighting against him. We were still in rebellion. We were still in sin. 
God did not do this because of who we are. He done it because of who he is. Do you understand me this morning? Because who he is. Now God has given you the measure, a measure of faith. But listen to me. If you don't use that faith, you ain't ever going to be saved. You can't get saved unless you use that faith. Think about that for a minute. You must believe that Jesus is the Christ, the only begotten Son of God, right? You must believe that he was crucified, that he died uh, for our sins on Calvary's cross, and that he was raised from the dead on the third day. You must believe those things. You can't drop one or some of them or pick and choose what you think that you can mentally assent to, agree to. No, you by faith must believe these things. You have to use your faith to believe all that. And you won't be saved if you don't believe those things about Jesus. So each one of us, right? How do we get faith? And I told you that that's really the wrong question. We've all been given a measure of faith. Maybe the question ought to be is how do we use our faith? And how does our faith grow? Or how does our faith increase? Uh, a verse that I really like is in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 is talking about, really, it's telling us the reason that we need to uh, send out preachers to go preach, missionaries to go share the gospel, right? Why, why God's word needs to be preached. And I love what it says in verse 17. It's given the reasoning for doing this. It says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's a lot there and that really reveals something. It really knocks in the head the whole, I've got a lot of faith because I've been through a lot of things. No, that's not why you've got a lot of faith. That doesn't increase your faith. You may have a lot of testimony. You may have a lot of experience, right? Those things hopefully led you to maturity in Christ and helped you to grow as a Christian. But those things are not faith, and that, those things did not increase your faith. The Word of God says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Your faith comes and grows by hearing. And it tells us, hearing what? Hearing the Word of God. The Word of God activates our faith. It causes that measure of faith that God has given us to come alive, to work, to grow, right? Do you know how, do you understand or, or maybe know why it is that the devil fights so hard against you to come to church, right? He don't want you to come to Sunday school. He don't want you to come to worship uh, to, to church Sunday morning. He sure don't want you to come back Sunday night. And heaven forbid that you would come to a Bible study on Wednesday night or any other night for that matter. Do you know why that he fights so hard against that, right? And doesn't want you uh, to hear the, he, he, he doesn't want you to hear the word of God and he don't want you to read your Bible either. The reason that he doesn't want you to is because when you hear and you read the word of God, it's like pouring miracle grow on your faith. That's why the devil does everything that he can to stop you, to talk you out of it. And if by some chance you get past all that and you come anyways, he's going to do everything he can to distract you while you're here. Guarantee it, he will do everything that he can to distract you. Why? Because the more that you hear the word of God, the more that your faith increases. The more you hear 
something, the less that you doubt it and the more confidence that you have in it. And when it comes to faith and hearing God's word proclaimed, there, there's, it's like a principle that's just supernaturally compounded. One last time, just so we're clear. This whole, I've been through this and that, and now because I've been through those things, my faith is greater, is increased. That is not biblically correct. That is not what the Bible says. You won't find that in the scripture anywhere. Your faith is not increased that way. That is sight. That's experience. And that's beneficial for you as a Christian. No doubt about that. But that is not faith. You might learn and you might grow because of your experiences. And it might even help motivate you to use your faith in the future. But hearing... Hearing is what increases your faith. I asked Mike, I, I threw him for a loop this morning. Well, I don't know if I threw him for a loop, but I asked him to sing a, a particular song this morning. I was going to do it earlier when I got here, and I just got to talking and forgot about it. So I hit him as we was coming up here. To He was already starting on the first song, Victory in Jesus. First of all, I love that old song. And two, did you notice a phrase that reoccurs through that over and over and over? I heard. I heard. It's in there at least four or five times. I heard. There's a lot of truth in that. I heard. Right? That's how the, the, the one that wrote that song, right, they understood something. They got something. They understood how it is that our faith increases so having emphasized the importance of our faith what our faith is how we get our faith and how we grow our faith or increase it maybe the only real maybe the only question I really need to be asking you this morning is are you using your faith? You got it. Word of God says you got it. The only question is, is whether or not you're using it. You've heard the word of God this morning. You've heard it in song. You've heard it in, uh, in prayer. And you've heard it in preaching and proclaiming here this morning. And you heard it if you were here during Sunday school. You heard it then too. The only real question is, are you using your faith? Does your faith move you to action? I heard said one time that faith alone saves, but a saving faith is never alone. I think that's probably a pretty good thought, pretty good saying. That's exactly right. The scriptures that Donna read to us this morning, it makes it really clear about using your faith, right? I mean, think about it for a minute. Healing? Prayer, salvation, Bible talks about mountains being moved. All of it goes nowhere without faith. And if you do not, if we do not use our faith, James makes it clear, it dies. That's why he says faith without works is dead. 
He, he is not saying that works gives you faith. He's not saying that you are saved by works. He is saying that works is the fruit of your faith, right? It is the evidence of your faith. And he, and he talks about that if, if you say that you've got faith uh, but doesn't do anything, your faith is dead. He says, I'll show you my faith by the things that I do. I love James in the book of James, and the reason I like James is the way that he strikes me. I mean, don't misunderstand me. Every word contained here in the scriptures is inerrant, infallible word of God literally breathed out of the mouth of God. But he used human hands, human pens under his inspiration, right, human authors to write these 66 books here. And it's amazing that, he, that even under that kind of inspiration, the kind of inspiration that, you know, we talk about a sermon being inspired or anything like that, it's not anywhere near the same level of inspiration. The kind of inspiration that, that God used when he wrote his scripture, but yet somehow through that he allows the authors, the, the person that he's using in that moment, their voice to come through. Their person, as you read and study uh, the different books, right, you, it's almost like you get a sense of the kind of person they are and get to know a little bit about them and almost hear their voice. You ever done that before when you read something somebody you know has written and it's like you can hear their voice as you're reading it? I feel like I can hear James's voice along with the Holy Spirit as he's, as he's writing here. And I like James because there's one thing that me and him's kind of uh, on the same wavelength. I, I never thought, about some, thought much about somebody that was always talking about what all they'd done just never, that never impressed me. As a matter of fact, if you want to lose my attention or bore me pretty quick, spend all your time telling me what all you've done. I'm like, I, I think James was that kind of feller too. I'm like, James, quit talking about it. Shut up and show me. So my question to you this morning is Jennifer is coming for a song of invitation. Are you using your faith? Because if, you, if we don't use our faith, it dies. You are either using your faith or your faith is dying. We live in a day and time. Honestly, if you'd asked me 20 years ago, I would have said, yes. These type of perilous times is coming, but I honestly didn't think I would see it in my lifetime. I honestly did not think that I would see this kind of a turn against Christianity. I did not think that I would see our society. I knew it would turn, but I didn't think that it would happen this fast. I never dreamed that we would turn on the TV. I'm not talking about cable channels. I'm not talking about, you know, some HBO or something like that. I'm talking about regular TV. I'm talking about the stations coming out of Springfield and see the, the, the filth, see the... Uh... Church, we live in perilous times. Perilous times. Listen to me. Your faith needs to be stronger 
than ever before. You need more than ever before. Church, we've got to be using our faith. We've got to be trusting in Christ and Christ alone, right? We have got to, we, we, we got to figure this out, right? The time for just being, a, a, you know, just sitting back and not doing anything and thinking I can just coast through, those days are over. It's time. It is high time. It is past time. Would you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar and I want to give you an opportunity to come this morning. If the Spirit of God is dealing with you, if you've got a need, if you've got a burden, would you come this morning? Maybe you've realized for the first time here this morning, you're not where you ought to be. You don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You're not walking with God. Let me beg you, let me implore you to come this morning. If you've got a need, if you've got a burden, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's somebody that you know have fallen or, or is far away or doesn't know the Lord, right? This is a time to come and be praying for them and then be praying, Lord, use me, right? Give me the words to say, Lord, we need to be willing to put feet to those prayers. Maybe God is dealing with you about something that's going on in your own heart. I'm begging you, would you come this morning? Whatever the need is here this morning, whatever the burden is, would you come? Don't you wait no longer. Don't you wait for another opportunity. There may not be another opportunity. You might not get another chance. Would you come this morning? Whatever it is, please, I'm begging you, would you come this morning? Would you come? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have you ever thought about... Uh, have you ever thought about old blind Bartimaeus? He's sitting there beside the road and he hears that Jesus is coming. And what does he start doing? He starts crying out. Son of David, have thou mercy on me. And they said, hush now. Hush, Bartimaeus. They threw him a little money and said, here, you'll eat good tonight, Bartimaeus. But leave the master alone. He's busy. Right? Things are weighing heavy on him. He's headed to Jerusalem. But he wasn't going to shut up. Glory to God, he shouted all the more. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Why is it? Do you realize that's the last time Christ was going to pass by that way? Right now may be the last time that he's passing by your way. You're going to have the faith that Bartimaeus had? Are you willing to step out? Whatever the need is this morning, would you come? Hallelujah. Glory.